Hey ladies, just a heads up. This episode features a candid and compassionate conversation about the painful realities of pregnancy loss, including descriptions that some listeners may find graphic or disturbing. We do advise listener discretion. At the same time, however, we hope this conversation brings comfort and peace in the midst of pain and grief. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. We have a one-question interview today. It has been a while since we've had a one-question interview. Erin's one-question interview. It's been a while since we've had another lady in the Ladies Lounge, which we also have today. And this is October. This episode will be dropping on October 1st. Lord willing. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and October 15th is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Day. So we wanted to take some time on this podcast to bring a lady into the ladies' lounge who has experienced this and share some consolation. And I know a lot of ladies in our Facebook group and also listeners of the podcast have also experienced pregnancy and infant loss. So we wanted to create a space on the podcast to talk about this very openly and candidly and honestly. So you also may want to grab some tissues. This may be a, a tissue level episode. So Erin, mm, <laughs> sure. take it away. Introduce our guest. Okay. Well, today we have Liz Entman, who is a Lutheran lady. She is not claiming any other special expertise here. <laughs> nope, Just the sisterhood. <laughs> exactly. So the fellow sister Lutheran lady joining us. One of us. Of us. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I really appreciate being able to come on and have the space to highlight something that many women have gone through and, uh, mm-hmm. and share my story. Excellent. Well, these one question interviews, we always start with one question and that pretty much just opens it wide, although there's a fair chance that at some point a second question will be asked. (laughs) Um, But we don't rely on that second question to see us through. So So here's our one question today. What should Lutheran women know about pregnancy loss and miscarriage that we just don't talk about? It's funny because when when I was sent the question, I was like, oh, I feel like I've been talking about it for so long that I was like, what have I not talked? Like, what what is there that's not being, you know, said? And I reached out to some of my awesome Lutheran ladies. I have my own little core group. And I said, what I want to say is that we don't talk much about it. And I was like, what, how, how does that hit you? And they're like, we think you're right. And that was my initial response is, is that we don't talk much about it. There's there's something that because of it, it you know, women keep it very close to the chest. And I, and I feel that a lot of women do that because of shame and guilt. They feel like they failed, their body failed. And so it's hard to admit failure, right? When you, when you mm-hmm. fail at doing something. And, and so I think it's, it's a hard thing to to open up about. But I found in, in my experiences that when I've become more open 
um, about it. There is a large community of women that share the same uh, grief and, and burdens that you have walked through or walking through. And there is a sisterhood there uh, that is comforting and, and helpful. So it's, it's something that I, I really appreciate having this space to bring it more to light and to, mm. to, to tell women to be open with your loss. If you can, if that's safe for you, I understand that some people just can't do that or at least have somebody that is a good friend to, to share that loss with. So you're not carrying that burden alone. And, and the second part of that is that women carry this, this grief, but our husbands, our men also carry the grief, but in a much different way. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes they get forgotten because it is the women who are the ones going through it, right? They're the ones that are, they're the ones who see the line. And from that moment, their life changes forever. And, and they're the ones that keep it close to go. I know it's early, so I can't tell anybody because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, it's early. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say, oh, I lost the baby. Right. But our husbands, they grieve too. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that gets lost in our grief. And definitely in, in my story, I've, that's one of the things that I've had a difficult time with is acknowledging my husband's grief because I've been so much in grief and going, he's grieving too, mm-hmm. and respecting his space and his time to process. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. I want to pause here for a moment. You and I are old friends. Yeah. And so I'm very familiar with your story and I really appreciate you sharing it on social media the way you have, but a lot of our listeners are not. If you could, would you tell us, tell us about, well, tell us about your beautiful family and mm-hmm. about the joys and griefs that you have experienced as a mother? Well, I have a 12-year-old son and a six-year-old, soon-to-be-seven-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And I had a miscarriage after her. I was, she was nine months when I got pregnant. <laughs> with my we called a baby e and i went in for my 12-week appointment and i hadn't had any ultrasounds before that and there was no heartbeat but they mm-hmm. told me at the time that it was just a clump of cells it wasn't mm-hmm. a formed body and they think it was a molar pregnancy which molar pregnancies are like kind of like flukes and uh, a cellular clump that just kind of forms and the body thinks it's pregnant. And so when I uh, lost that baby, it was, it was a loss, but it wasn't like, I was like, okay, it was, it wasn't a baby. You know, like I, I detached myself from that and I, and I was able Mm to, I grieved, but it wasn't, it wasn't deep. It was just, okay. It was, it was just my body fluking. And then I got pregnant with my third and he is uh, three, soon to be four. Hmm. And my husband left when he was three months old. We are military. So he deployed for a year when uh, my youngest was three. And that was the hardest year of my life. But when he came home, 
I tell you all this because when he could, two days after he came home, I got into a near fatal car accident and I almost died. (laughs) I cracked um, two vertebrae in my neck and broke uh, four ribs and punctured a lung. And if the car would have been any higher hitting my car, my whole body probably would have been crushed. So we were in a, in a military, like he was supposed to be home for two weeks and he was leaving to go to the next duty station. And we were going to follow three months later. And I was in a, I was, (laughs) I was an accident. There was no place we could go and I couldn't drive because I was in a neck brace and I was in a neck brace for five months. So thankfully the army granted us a compassionate reassignment. We got back on our feet. And as soon as I was like back to normal, I got pregnant again, just like that. And I went, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, okay, that's fine. You know, my husband's like, hey, baby, let's go. (laughs) And he's like, what's another one? Let's just, yeah, yeah. But then he's like, oh my gosh, what, what did we do? You know, it's that roller coaster of, this is fantastic. Oh my gosh, another one. Four, what are we going to do with four kids? <laughs> and I lost Remy. I, I, I felt like it was a girl. And at the time, I was about seven weeks pregnant. Um, and I went to Hope Pregnancy Center. They were having like this teaching thing for nurses and helpers that help at the Hope Pregnancy Center to do ultrasounds. So they were looking for volunteers. And so I was like, I'll volunteer, you know, it's like, and so at six weeks, my baby was living. She had a heartbeat and I, and I got an ultrasound picture of her. But then when I went to my 12 week ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. And that, that loss was very hard on me and not just hard emotionally, but physically, my body went through severe trauma. And I should have gone to the ER, but with my first miscarriage and how I was treated in the ER, I refused to go. Mm. And so it was a horrible night and I got up to go to the bathroom. And when I got up, I could see my baby. Oh no. And so I scooped her out because I couldn't flush her. That was my precious life. Mm-hmm. And I put her in a little cup. And I said, I don't know what to do. I looked at my husband and I said, I don't know what to do. What do we do? And um, he said, I'll take care of her. And so he took her. And it was a night of, like, my body was just retching the life that was inside me. It just... There was, it was uncontrollable. And by morning, I was so, I was so like sick and, and just, I couldn't move. And my husband was getting really weird. I said, Liz, Liz, I think you need to go to that. I think you need to go to the doctor. I really think we need to take you to the ER. You've lost too much blood. I, and I said, no. And so he's trying to get me to eat something. And um, I said, no, 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 I, I don't, I don't want, I, I'm not hungry. He, he's like, I'll go to Starbucks. I'll, you know, all these things. And I said, you know what? You know, it really sounds good right now. I said, a donut. Mm. And he said, a donut. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run a Krispy Kreme and I'll get a donut. And he literally went to the bedroom to put on clothes and the doorbell rang. And, and it, was, it was a Wednesday because the Tuesday before is my Bible study ladies. And I had told them that 
there was no heartbeat. And that morning, and the doorbell was one of my friends at the door with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. <sighs> it was like, I was like, Lord, I don't know what is going on, but thank you so much. And she's like, I'm just, I just, I just had to bring you donuts. I don't know why I woke up and I said, I need to bring Liz donuts. Oh, and it was nice. like the the most moment, like a shining moment in that, in that grief. And so, you know, when people say that early on, that it's just a clump of cells, mm. I held my, my 11 week, 12 week old baby in my hand mm-hmm. yeah. and I could see her little nubs of fingers and toes. Mm-hmm and arms mm-hmm. and I could see like little like you cannot tell me that it's just a clump of cells mm-hmm. so that's my experience with that end of things and so that was in October October of 2019 I was gonna say okay. was it last October yeah no October 2019 and then in February of 2020 before everything got a little crazy I found out I was pregnant again and I've never been on uh, birth control and it, uh, and it's never been a choice of mine. I never liked the idea of hormones or anything like that. So, and after I lost Remy and I think some women really maybe I'm speaking from my own personal experience, but Mm -hmm. after a loss, being intimate with my husband is just a very difficult thing. And so (laughs) I, it was just one time. It was just one time. And that's all it takes is one time. And I said, there's no way I'm pregnant again. And sure enough, I was pregnant again. And I said, okay, this one's going to be a sticker. I know it. But the problem with getting pregnant so quickly after losing, I called her Remy, was I was so burdened with fear mm-hmm. that it it plagued my entire pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It, it just weighed on me. And then the pandemic hit and everything changed and all that fear. And I was in a panic every day. I, I thought I was losing the baby and every checkup, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get every checkup. And everything was textbook. Everything was great. All my tests were fine. And all the, all the doctor's appointments were, you know, stressful because it was like, where am I going now? Like things were changing and masks and all the crazy things. And my husband couldn't come with me. So it was a very weird pregnancy for him too, because he just, he really was like not a part of the journey. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't at doctor's appointments. He didn't go to ultrasounds cause he couldn't. And so for him, it was like, all right, you know, baby number four, you know, okay, we'll, we'll deal with baby number four when we get there. Right. And everything was fine until August 31st. And my due date was October 22nd, which was the day I lost Remy. So it was like, oh man, like what's the coincidence of that? Like what, like how crazy is it that, you know, this baby's due date was the day that I lost Remy. And I was like, well, that's just, you know, that's, that's special. And um, what a way to celebrate, you know, his, I didn't know it was a, we didn't, we didn't find out genders, you know, what a way to celebrate a life with having another life. And so I got up in the middle of the night and I had to go to the bathroom and I laid back down and I always fell asleep feeling the baby and I didn't feel anything. And I said, okay, 
that's weird. And I was like, hey, baby, come on. I, I need you to move so mom can go back to sleep. And nothing. And so I, all of a sudden my mom, Dar, was like, uh, okay, this is weird. And so I sat up and I got up in the kitchen and I drank some more water and nothing. And I was like, okay, maybe I need a little sugar. So I drank some juice and walked around and rocked in the sea. I'm like, okay, baby, I need you to move for mommy. I need you to move. I need, I need to feel you move. And so I'm watching the clock and watch the clock. Okay. It's been 45 minutes. I wake up my husband and I said, I need to go to labor and delivery right now. And he's like, why? I'm like, I haven't felt the baby move. And I just, I just don't feel good about it. He's like, okay, go, go, go. And so I got there and the nurse was like, I'm, I'm, calmly trying to tell her and she she kind of had like a okay mom like how many weeks are you i'm 32 weeks Yikes. okay well you know they say after 20 weeks go to labor and delivery if there's any if, you know you don't feel baby movement fetal movement and over an hour and so she got out the doppler and she's moving it around and she's finding my heartbeat and she's finding my heartbeat. And she's, oh, she's like, well, don't worry, mom. This is, this is normal. Baby's probably in a weird position. And I was like, it's been almost two hours and I haven't felt my baby move. This is not normal. And, um, then she called the doctor with the ultrasound and silence. And I said, can you tell me something? And he said, I'm sorry, there's no cardiac activity. Um, so at that moment, coincidentally, my husband called me and he's like, what is happening? Because he'd been texting me and I, I, I had nothing to text back. And so I had to tell him that our baby was dead. And that was just awful. And so he said, well, it's, um, and so it was all the things of, okay, what do we do now? Well, we need to get a second opinion. So you need to come back after radiology is open to get a second opinion. Okay. So I go back home. Thankfully, I only lived like 10 minutes away from the hospital and I came back home. And at this point, it's like 530 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so I'm exhausted. I am shell shocked. And I just want to sit in the chair and just cry. Mm -hmm. And I walk in. Well, I, draw, I come around the corner and I see my house is lit up. And I'm like, what? It's going, I walk in and all three of my babies are on the knees, on the couch. And I was like, why are the children awake? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I can't do this on my own. They have to pray for a miracle with me. I cannot do this on my own. And I'm like, but why are they awake? <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh my god! They're they're there and sleep going. They're just like they're like this and they're looking at me and they're so confused. And I was like, and he's <laughs> up. And I mean, in in hindsight, I like I, my husband and and seeing what you know, like him yeah. teaching his children, like this is what we do. We get on mm -hmm. our knees and we pray. This uh, to me, it's just so valuable in a father. What a beautiful reaction, too, for him to just be like, can't do it. I need prayer. I can't I do prayer. this on my own. Yes. Yeah. And what a night he had waiting with his phone, waiting for you to text him and just laying there in silence and in darkness and in fear. And of course he woke the children up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so then, you know, if we just sat and we waited until 
And Robin, and he was just like on my stomach and he's just like, baby, I need you. I need you. Come on, God, just please. And I was just like, no, it's over. Like I was already defeated because, oh, and since I was panicked every day, my husband finally got to the point where he's like, that's enough, Liz. We're not going to panic. And he wrote in big letters on the wall, October 18th. That's the day we're having the baby. That's the day to focus on. And that's what we're going to do. So I had that little October 18th, like, okay. I, it was, he wrote it on our bedroom wall and, and um, marker. <laughs> and so I just kept thinking about, we didn't make it to October 18th. We didn't make it. We didn't make it. How did we not make it? I just had an appointment. Like the baby was fine. What, what happened? Like what happened? So then it was when I went back and they took a second ultrasound and they can't tell you anything when you're in the ultrasound room because procedure, whatever. But when I left, she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, okay, that was, that was it. And then it was just kind of notifying people that needed to know and, and just kind of, okay, what do we do from now? And they're like, well, you know, we need to, whenever you're ready to come to the hospital, we'll do induction since you've had babies before, then that's the the natural way to go about it. So um, we'll have to induce you. And so then it was just okay, finding people to take the children. And, um, and so once the children are out of the house, then I was like, then the, the gravity of the situation, like I have to give birth. I have oh, to man. give birth. Oh, man. And I don't know how I can do this. Like my body's not ready, but we're like, this is, how is this going to happen? So we got to the hospital and they went through the procedures and, you know, we did it overnight and the, after the first day. So it was a Monday I went in and on Tuesday, um, I didn't have any, uh, there was really no progression and, uh, they were drugging me to kind of relax me cause I wasn't sleeping and. And this is the part where it was difficult, where my husband was like inconsolable. Like yeah. he just, nurses tried to talk to him and he just sat in the corner. He was just inconsolable. And it was hard for me because I was like, do you not understand what I have to do right now? Yeah. Do you not understand? I can't just grieve my baby. I just can't do that. I have to, I have to like do this. I have to push this baby out. And so that was really hard for me to be understanding of him. It was just a really difficult moment. And then people coming in and out and just going through the whole thing of, you know, we're so sorry and, you know, checking and because, you know, when you're pregnant and you've had babies, all the cervical checking that they do and everything like that is just so comfortable and easy but so comfortable yes so comfortable I I, I, um, um, you know having to to deal with that constantly going okay were there any changes no there's no changes okay well we'll up the pitocin and we'll do this and (laughs) so finally by night two it was like two in the morning I was like I've had it this is enough I am I am done this this something needs to happen I'm like well do you need an epidural I'm like I didn't have an epidural with the American babies. I don't need an epidural for this baby. We, that something needs to happen. So I unplugged my IV cord and I'm walking the little 15 feet of my hospital room back and forth going, okay, God, this needs to happen. We need to move this baby. This, this just 
come on, Lord, we need to do this now. Because the other thing was I was just missing my babies. I was missing my children. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just can't be away from them anymore. Like, I need to be with them. And so I'm like, I I need to, I need to move this, move this bus. Finally, by like, I don't know, 4 a.m., I'd been walking for a couple hours. So I was like, hey, what do you do when you have a baby, Liz? You know what to do when you have a baby. Like, don't just lay in the bed. Like, do something. So I had them check and I had had gotten to like six centimeters. And the problem was, is that the baby was feet down. Mm. So since his head wasn't there to help push the cervix open, it made it a little bit more difficult to reach my cervix opening. And so finally, I broke. I broke like at 4.30 and and I begged the nurse to bring the doctor. And I said, please, please just take me to the OR. I can't do this anymore. I can't. Mm. I am just, I thought I could do it. I've, I'm a fighter, but what I know is going to happen at the end, I don't have the strength for. Yeah. I don't. And she's like, I know it's hard, but I just need you to try a little bit longer. It's going to be so much better for you in the end to heal and recover if you have this baby natural. And I hated her in that moment. I was so angry I wanted her to take it away I wanted her to knock me out and be done with it Mm -hmm. now I'm grateful because you know dealing with a major surgery afterward would have been a whole lot more to deal with and so I said okay I need an epidural I can't deal with this pain anymore like things that contractions were getting stronger and it was it was when they were trying they were prepping me for the epidural I got this huge contraction and I said, no, that's it. Uh-uh. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm having this baby right now. And they said, oh, okay. And I said, yep, I have the baby right now. I'm ha- the baby's coming. The baby's coming. And, uh, and so Rob was there, my husband, and he was on one side and he said like, he just, he couldn't believe how clear I was in the moment. Mm-hmm. But once I pushed the baby's feet out, he said he could have punched the doctor in the face because she said it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And he said he felt the life go out of me. Mm-hmm. He just like, you were just gone. Mm-hmm. And, and I, the feet came out and I still had the shoulders and the head. And so it took a lot for me, but um, finally, and so in the, in the whole time I was like, what do I, what do I do? Like what you, you know, when you have a baby, you put that baby on your chest and it's like, but I was like, do I want to hold the baby? Do I want Like I, I was so torn as to what to do in that moment. But as soon as she had the baby out, she said, do you want to hold him? And I said, absolutely. I want to see my babies. Mm-hmm. And he was five pounds, five ounces. Mm. and 18 inches long he was a baby he was a big boy for 32 weeks and he was perfect and so the 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 story doesn't end there because uh, my placenta didn't want to detach and when you are pregnant with a live baby they have a 30 minute window they want you to get the placenta out but when you birth a dead baby, they, the time doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm holding my baby, they're 
you know, those wonderful uterus massages after yes. you have a baby to make sure your, you know, your uterus is contracting. I know. The last thing you want is someone like poking you down there, but they're just like oh. kneading your belly. Yeah. Oh, and you're like, so she, they're <laughs> rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing, trying to detach the placenta. And so the umbilical cord is, you know, they're like kind of tugging on the umbilical cord and rubbing mm. and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. And then I'd be like, okay, that's it. Give me a break. I, I need a minute. And so they'd leave and they'd come back like in 30 minutes. And so for four, hours oh my word they tried to detach my placenta all rocky's placenta we named um him rockford graham and so our little rocky he was going to be our last little fighter Mm. but anyway so finally there was a ship change and the one doctor's like your cervix is still so open and I think if we do a spinal tap, I can reach in there and I can scoop the placenta out. Uh, she's like, my hand's small enough. I think I can do that. And I was like, could we not have done this four hours ago? <laughs> and so I could just, you know, be with my baby instead of dealing with you monkeys up in my business. And so... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's like no. Well, I mean, really. I mean, once you have a baby, you know, you you, you lose a little humility because it's just like, well, you know, I really do. World, you're on the world for display, and and you know, it's just like, okay, let's let's move this story along. So, anyways, <laughs> she did. I had a spinal tap, but the the awesome thing, and so, and this is COVID time, all right. This is this is September. Yeah. At the height of like lockdowns and and craziness. So there's masks Mm -hmm. and, you know, my children couldn't come in and, and, you know, and so there was a chaplain that he came to visit and he, bless his heart, he was the most awkward man I have ever (laughs) encountered. And so before I had the baby... Before I had the baby, like I, I'm laying in the bed and my face is swollen and I'm just like, this is, I, and he comes in and he's like, I'm really sorry. And if there's anything that we can do, just let us know. And I was like, okay. And he's like, for those who can't see me, long pause, stare, awkward, leaning in, <laughs> not really Good. saying anything, but just looking at you very intensely, like, okay. Maybe it's she'll a chaplain thing. <sighs> it's like it's called. It's, it's a, I think it's called practicing a ministry of presence. <laughs> You're just it's there. Awful. And so finally, after like, I, and then so I was like, she I was looking like at my it? husband, and he was. And so I was looking at my husband. And he was looking at me. We're both in this like awkward like, what is he doing? You know, look at each other. Like, okay, what? What? And so finally, I was like. Thank you so much, Chaplain, for coming in and seeing us. We really appreciate um, your visit. And uh, if we need anything, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. And he's like, okay, well, just, you know, like he was like relieved. Like, okay, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to stand here awkwardly and look at you anymore. Great. For future reference, <laughs> there are two things. If a hospital chaplain comes to visit you, you say, thank you for coming. Can you get me a Bible? And can you call my pastor? <laughs> well i told you this to tell you this so the nurse was like do you want me to call the chaplain we and both my husband were like no, no. <laughs> and she was like 
She was like, okay. And we're like, it's just really awkward. And we just don't need that. And she's like, well, she's like, do you have a pastor? And we're like, yes, we do. And she's like, let me talk to the head of the hospital, whatever. And let me see if I can get him in here for you guys. And we were like, that would be perfect. So our pastor got to come and see us and give us communion in the hospital room. And he said, because he called me the night before whatever and talked to him for a little bit. And then he texted and Rob texted him back. And then Rob texted him and said, hey, could you come and see us? He's like, I'll be right there. And normally I was delivering on an army post. And so since he's not military, he has to go through the guest services, whatever. And he's like, normally any other day, there's a line of people there waiting to get their, you know, sheet of paper to get on post. He's like, and there was nobody there. Mm. Like, so that's why I'm, I'm a little early. Cause you know, we were expecting him at a certain time and he was there like 20 minutes earlier. And he's like, cause there was just nobody there. I did not expect, you know, no lie. And so we got to have a good time with him in the, in the hospital and he, you know, prayed for us and we got to have communion. And that was really, because he was the only one that got to see Rocky. Mm. Um, our children didn't get to see him. So that was, that was special. Um, but I do have to say like the, the nurses and the staff there were great. I've heard of some people having some experiences and stuff like that. But I was, I was grateful for my nurses that took care of me. And there's a company organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. And Mm -hmm. it's a photographer company that goes and takes pictures of families and babies that either have, you know, have passed or have hours to live. And my nurse was like, we can't get a photographer in here. But she's like, I took a online class and I'm going to take some pictures for you. Because there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to dress the baby? Do you want to put a diaper on the baby? Do you want to like? Do you want to do all the things? And there were some things I'm like, it's just so much to process. And no, I was like, no, you you could take pictures. And it was in in the room was one moment like I had been holding him for a couple hours, and she brought in a bed. She's like, this is the cooling bed, and so this is so you know the baby can stay in here with you. And I was like a cooling bed and she's like yeah and I was like can I hold him or do I does he have does his body have to be you know cooled because I just didn't want to feel the cold Mm. and um she's like no 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 honey you can hold him as long as you want you can hold him as long as you want but if you need a break you you know he can he can be there and that way you know he doesn't have to go to the morgue and uh and that was something like a family who had gone through a loss like ours, they had donated the cooling bed to the hospital um, oh. in honor of their baby. So mm. in that moment, there was like, well, you know, there was a connection to somebody else who knows our loss and that they mm-hmm. donated that in, in memory of their child, which I thought was, you know, I don't know, in a way special in that moment. Mm-hmm. But we decided that we, you know, we weren't going to have anybody take him anywhere he was going to be in our possession so we had to sign paperwork to take him out of the hospital to transport human remains so we took him to the the funeral home and and we did our last duty as his so that's my family (laughs) that was a really long (laughs) answer to uh 
the question, but a little bit of our story too, is that now it's been a little bit over a year um, since we've lost Rocky. What a year in the world and um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what a year for us, but that's our story. There's so much beauty in this story, as much as there was loss, there there are these little glimpses of beauty that I'm glad you described. And I guess my I think we can really just go off book at yeah, this point. Go for it. So it's been over a year mm-hmm. since you've lost Rocky, and yeah. taking taking all of your experiences into consideration in terms of motherhood, how have you found healing? Mm-hmm. I found healing in celebrating life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And looking and looking to God's truth, because the world wants me to look at what I've lost and wants mm-hmm. me to scream and yell and fight and get angry. But I, I can't do that because I know there's hope and there's future. I can't look mm-hmm. backward at what I've lost because what I've lost isn't there anymore. He's ahead. Rocky and my other children are in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's, I look forward to that. And that's what keeps me going are the promises that I have um, through resurrection. But with that, I choose to celebrate life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's painful because there's still that ache. I have babies around me that are pretty much the exact ages of mm-hmm. every single one of my losses. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's what happened to baby E was my doctor who had me when I delivered Rocky. She's like, I went back into your files. And this was like, I don't know, six or so weeks after I had Rocky. And she's like, I'm calling you to let you know I went back in your files. And that pregnancy that they told you was a molar pregnancy was not a molar pregnancy. (sighs) And I was like, what? And she's like, no, whoever told you that told you a lie. In your files, it clearly states human remains. Oh my goodness. So it, it was like, it was a baby. Like, and so it kind of made that that loss a little fresh again for me in the moment of my grief. But I was so grateful for that doctor too. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's like, I really am telling you because molar pregnancy can be something that can lean towards cancer in the future or be be you know like red flags for cancer right. mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and you've never had a molar pregnancy so you don't have to have that concern and so I said oh okay that's that's good to know but at the same time I was like wow but so I have people around me um children of friends who have had babies at those stages where I could see you know where my child would be, you know, right now in life. And Mm -hmm. I had one of my best friends, um, she was due a week before me. And so I had that dream of being pregnant with one of your best friends and having Mm -hmm. babies like days apart and Mm -hmm. um, such a beautiful thing. So after she had him, which was a little over a month after I had Rocky, I said, I have to go hold this baby now. Mm -hmm. I have to. And, and she's like, yeah, sure. You could, you definitely. And so I drove several hours to get to her house and just feeling that life just like healed 
something broken inside me. Mm-hmm. And, and from that moment on, I said, I am not going to death. Oh, where is thy stake? Amen. No, Amen. no, I'm yeah. going to celebrate life and love life. And, and those babies that come into this world. So yes, they, are. <laughs> they truly are. There are times when I just, I, I'm in a moment and it's too much for me. And like, I have to leave. I get a little emotional because mm-hmm. when I see a chunky baby, it's like, <laughs> oh man, because <laughs> I have some chunky babies. And it's just like that hurt just kind of flares up. But it's something that, you know, that life speaks to me and it tells me, you know, life wants to steal these things away from me, but it's God's truth. It's the light and the darkness that sets me back on the path to what I have to look forward to. Because there's no, there's no shadow of turning in him. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no darkness when the truth stands because it shines that light on the darkness. Yeah. You've mentioned the people that have surrounded you. Mm-hmm. How has this community been important to you? And how have people, like what's been encouraging from the people around you in your life, especially for us understanding most of us probably know several women oh, yeah. just like in, in real person, real life mm-hmm. who have experienced yep. this. What is encouraging from the people around you that have been able to, to bring you this comfort and joy um, even through so much grief? Well, one of the, the best gifts that I have, and I think being in the Lutheran world and being one of the Lutheran ladies, I think everyone knows who Katie Schuerman is. Mm-hmm. And about six years ago, um, we have a Bible study group in our church. We did her Pew Sisters book. Mm-hmm. And we we just consumed that book and we loved that as a group. And I love our group because we have, you know, older ladies in their, you know, retirement, old, old generation. And we have young 20 some year old mothers in our group. And it's just this beautiful group of women of all ages and stages that come together and share God's word. And so since that book, we've called it, we call ourselves the Pew Sisters. And so we'll send out, we'll be like, okay, Pew Sisters, I need help. Or Pew Sisters, we have somebody who needs our help. And so I have this amazing group of women in our church that are mothers, grandmothers, sisters. And I feel like I've gone through so much trauma in the last few years, but they have just been at my door with meals or, yep, I'll come pick up the kids. And so I'm so grateful that, you know, I've put myself in the position to be a part of a community that has allowed me to openly grieve and let me grieve. Um, I think one of the biggest problems that uh, some people have is they want to put a timeline on grief um, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, you, sh- you should be over this by now. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no <laughs> absolutely not. Like the moment you see that line, that a woman sees that line, her whole world changes. You mm-hmm. see the future, you, you like everything shifts. Okay. You know, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. Like in that moment, like, oh, that super highway brain just is lit up. And you mean like the, the line on a pregnancy test? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Okay. I was like, the line. Yeah. The, I haven't had kids yet. So I, I wasn't sure what the line is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a line and I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm pregnant. Yeah. In the, 
in the sky. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Um, or the plus or the pregnant, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it changes. And so, you know, nobody may not have known that baby, but you, you saw the future. And that is something that you can definitely grieve for as long as you want. Um, and it it takes people different times. And I honestly think that if it weren't for my faith, I would be in a lot different position than I am right now. And that's something that I've done in this last year is I really have dove into God's promises and what he has Mm -hmm. for me. When I was in the hospital, there is a song, one of my favorite Christian artist groups is Selah. And, um, and they have a song called Audrey Song. I probably listened to that song the entire time I was in the hospital. It was just on repeat on my phone. And the one of the men from Selah, his wife was pregnant and they were told that the baby was going to die. Like if it lived, it would live for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote the song and the song is called I Will Carry You. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a beautiful song about, you know, who could love this baby more than I do? All the things that you wanted to do as a mother. And it's the parallel of, but God saying, but I love her more. Mm-hmm. I will take care of her. I will show her the things and, and, and I will carry you because the song is, I will carry you. So I will carry this baby. And then God's like, but I will carry you for as long as your heart beats here. And so there's a line in it. And I will praise the one who's chosen me to carry you. And that's, that's the, that was my focus is that I will praise God Mm. for choosing me to carry this life. If my purpose was to birth this baby into heaven, that is what Mm. God has chosen me to do. And I will praise him for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's where I keep on, you know, because life wants to press on me and life wants to, this world wants to, you know, scream at me for what I've lost but I haven't truly lost anything because mm. it's coming. Yeah. I will be reunited. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will. Yeah. I think for, for everyone else, you know, aside from the mother, I mean, and yes, dads are there all the way. They're, they're cradling you as you're cradling the baby and feeling the kicks on the outside. But you as the mother, you're the one who knows the, knows the yeah. child. And so for everyone else, it's, it's a bit of a hypothetical. Until the time comes, but for you, it's not. I mean, I know that this is a, a weird question, probably, but can you tell us about Rocky? What um, was he like? <laughs> I knew he was a boy. Yeah, I don't know how I knew. I just and, it, and we didn't find out. Like we never found out with any of our our children before because my husband would always say gender reveal parties. We'll have a gender reveal party. <laughs> It's going to be in the delivery room. That's where our gender reveal party is going to be. <laughs> it's a lot and safer. You just set fewer forest fires that way. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly, right? <laughs> or fewer mistakes. Because there have been people who have been like, oh, wait a second. This confetti is yellow. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I. It's something that I think he would have. I think he would have. He would have been his little, his big brother's shadow. Um, Mm -hmm. He, from the pictures that we do have, he looks so much like my Mm three-year-old. The nose, the lips, the chin. It Mm -hmm. is, 
uncanny. Every single time I look at my son, I go, man, they would have been twins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would have just been awesome. But he, he, I mean, he was just a tight little ball. And my tummy that loved to kick my hips. Yeah. Um, that's, isn't it funny how all babies have, you can tell their personalities just from the way they move around inside. That yeah. Between my oldest and my second oldest, night and day difference. Um, yeah. Yeah, they have he, spots to like kick places in yeah. there. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. A lot of people always complain about babies being in the ribs, but I have a long torso. And so my mm-hmm. babies would always kick my hips, never in my ribs. And that day I remember before um he died, I was I was so cranky because that baby just did not give my bladder a break. <laughs> and I was like, Are you kidding? Just please. I just need mommy just needs to sleep. Just, you know, during the day, it was after church because it was a Sunday. And I was like, mommy just, mommy just needs to sleep. But I, I think he, he was definitely a very, and that's what really gave me the red flag is that um, he was such an active baby that um, I knew something was amiss right away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had one who two hours without living, no problem whatsoever. Like that's just yeah. normal, you know, but you know, your baby, yeah. you know. So for those of us who have not known motherhood yet, mm-hmm. what is your preferred way of us sort of trying to respond in situations that you've been in or like showing support or just being present or whatever? Expanding the question to someone who is a mother, when someone has gone through a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss, and I'm speaking very personally, and she gave me permission to share this but my sister has had two miscarriages this year including mm-hmm. one just a few weeks ago and i love her so much and i am so sad i'm so broken up about this but i i don't know what to say what to do how to show her that that love and it's not something that we're sharing broadly i mean obviously this is very broad but um, yeah. <laughs> but you know my kids don't know and nor will they probably because it's a private pain you know mm-hmm. it's not it for many for many miscarriages no one outside the immediate family ever knows yeah but how do you comfort people in that situation well what not to do is um, that's probably a better question yeah let's actually. go with what not to do first cuz that's <laughs> i feel like there's lots of pitfalls i definitely am not in the camp of i will have not earned another angel um, because I know Check. that baby's not an angel. Check. Um, Correct. It's very Lutheran of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, That's good. And it, sometimes, I mean, like I, I've had, you know, it's, it's nice to think about because my dad passed uh, seven years ago and, you know, it's nice to think my baby's up there with my dad, but you know, it's, it's a reality that, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's not like, you know, he's up there, you know, on Papa and, you know, mm-hmm. but it's nice to think that sometimes. I'm um, imagining that scene from Cinderella, you know, where the king is fantasizing about romping with little grandbaby. <laughs> 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 or, you know, you're young, you'll try again. Or, oh. um, you know, those That's things, good. you know, people do say, and even for me, for the months after Rocky, even people just saying, how are you? And that, how are you was, I knew it was loaded. It was mm-hmm. loaded with, 
I don't know what else to say, but I'm going to say, how are you? Because I don't know what else to say. Um, sometimes it was just like, you know, because, and so sometimes I'm just like, I think, I think, and it's different for everybody. Like I cannot speak to anybody else's grief and, sure. and I, I am just here to share what I've gone through. But sometimes I would have just preferred them saying, I know, and I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do for you today? Instead of going, how are you? Because like, how are you? I'm going to respond. I'm okay. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to just lay out the truth. Like, do you really want to know who right. I am? Do you yeah. have three hours? Yeah. Gonna tell you. So, you know, <laughs> but by saying, I know, and I'm so sorry, sets a different tone to, you know, okay, maybe I can share a little bit because it's like, just the, how are you? Like I dreaded them asking me, how are you? Cause I was not okay. I'm not okay. And it's, it's hard, you know, cause that's what you normally say when you greet people. Right. But and it's not a discussion that you want to have with just some like everybody like rando, you know no, what I mean? Like, no. Not- and that's the thing, like, you know, random people, like, how are you? You know, but it, it was people that knew me and knew what I was going through. And so the, the, how are you was like, it was, how are you? Oh, like, you know, okay. I, I don't I know, know you well enough to be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Right. But, but just letting, like, letting them grieve, letting them mm-hmm. talk about it. And for me, like, people, they've made donations to certain things, saying, you know, we've done that. But I think one of the best things to do if you have somebody going through this is to do something by saying, okay, I'm going to pick up your kids. When is a good time for you? I, I think you need some alone time because nine times out of 10, if you say, okay, if you need anything, just let me know. Um, <laughs> she's not going to, she's not going to say anything. Um, cause she's just going to charge right through and do what she needs to do to get the day done by, you know, forcing, by forcing a hand in a way and saying, okay, I'm going to pick up the kids this day or what day works for you. I want to do this for you. Or we're going to, you know, like my friends are like, okay, we're starting a meal train. What's good for you? Well, this, 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 okay. You know, and, and I have some amazing friends who were just like, they are, you know, at the door with, you know, paper plates and spoons and, and bowls. So the dishes don't have to be worried about, you know, oh, like, that's brilliant. Right. Yeah. Yes. And things like that. Like, I don't even like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even thought of that. Yes. But yeah, like when you're in this moment, like just thinking about doing the dishes, you know, when you have mm-hmm. three kids around you, it's a little much, right? And so I've had moments of that where my friends have just done for me. And that has been the best thing is like, you know, showing up with donuts at the door mm-hmm. and just sending me flowers or just doing stuff without asking, I think is has been one of the brighter moments for me in helping carrying me, like them helping me, help helping to carry me through this without me going, okay, I really need you to do this for me because I'm having a hard time right now. And just kind of taking action for them in in a capacity like, okay, you know what, let's go out for coffee or I'm going to bring you coffee or, you know, something they like to do. I think that's, that's really helpful for somebody. Are there any things that that congregations that mm. your church can do. So friends, close family, that's one, that's one group, mm-hmm. but right. have you, do you have either, have you experienced it or do you have any thoughts on ways that 
the, the larger congregation could actually care for women and families who are going through this. Yeah. Outside of my Bible study group, we as a group bought a couple of little statues. One is like a hand with a little baby in it. And the other one is the Good Shepherd statue with, so like, you know, Jesus with a child on his shoulder and children around him. And they are in, we have like a little meditation garden in the center of our church. And they're, they're there, you know, as a, as a memorial for babies that were lost. And so that was a very, you know, generous gesture that our church had done. But I, I thought about this and I was like, you know, organizing, you know, a walk or having like a team during, because there's a lot of walks that happen during October and maybe a church, you know, organizing that to remember or doing, you know, a, a name release or having a memorial just service, I think would be something touching for women to go to because when Remy died, my husband had uh, like packaged her up in a little uh, cardboard box and we we burned her in our fireplace and kept the ashes. And so we had our own little private service because nobody really knew I was pregnant with Remy. And we went to our Lutheran um, book of prayer and there is no prayer in the, um, in the Lutheran book of prayer for infant loss or miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And we just couldn't believe it in that moment. We were like, really? And so, but we had our own little service and, and sang a hymn and, and we did that to, to honor our baby. And so having a, a dedicated service for infant loss, I think would be, would be very special because even now I have a lot of guilt. We didn't have a service for Rocky just because it was September and then October. And it was like, you know, things were just weird with churches and it's just like COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. COVID just kind of ruined everything. And then it just seemed like it was yep. like Christmas and it was too late. And um, and I was like, well, maybe, you know, next year when, you know, it says uh, heavenly birthday, maybe we'll do a service and that's come and gone. And, but uh, I think having like a, a special memorial service to do something for moms of, because I, and that's been another thing is that I have some really good friends who have walked pretty much the same path I have who have lost Mm -hmm. infants either hours after they gave birth or you know in utero like like me and so I don't want to say like any kind of loss is horrible and having going through both there is a difference you know for for me losing Remy was was horrible in my other miscarriage but Rocky was just a, a completely different level physically, mentally, emotionally, because at 32 weeks, like he had his life suit on, like he was meant for earth. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing that body was just like, huh, how is that possible to not have him be here? So it's, it's a, it's a more, to me, it was, it was just a, a completely different loss too process but having women who walk through it and seeing where they are now one of the best gifts I got was a teddy bear that weighs five pounds five ounces Mm -hmm. because she's like after her son died she's like your arms ache you just want something to hold and it's true because I woke up for months hearing baby cries 
Like I would, my body would wake up and I would hear, like I would be hearing a baby. And even afterwards, like when I was as far as long as I was and I, and my body went through the motions of having birth, like my milk came in and, and so I was in a chair with like ice packs and saran wrap wrapped around me and just like trying to be like, okay, please, I don't want to deal with any kind of infection. Just like, please let me get, let me get through this. So that that was, I, I dealt with that too afterwards. Like it wasn't like it was just, okay, I had the baby now, you know. I I didn't want to ask about that, but I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that yeah. would have been a really brutal moment. Oh, you yeah. you feel it. Oh, yeah. It's a moment. Oh, yeah. It comes. Yeah. Ugh. And it's, and I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it was just like painful and like, okay, dealing with, you know, healing after the birth. But it was like, I... I had Rocky and the one thing I I wish I would have, I wish I would have taken more time in the hospital. I wish I would have, I had him at like 6, 19 AM and I was walking out of the hospital at 5, 45 PM. I should not have been walking and I was driving the next day. I should not have been driving, but I was just like, so determined to, all right, I, I, I have to just get back to normal. And I wish I would have had some people around me to kind of slow me down in a way of like, you don't, cause that morning I went to the hospital, we were supposed to start homeschool. So I just had that constant, like, okay, we're we're too far behind. We need to get going. We need to, we need to. And so I was like, nope, we just need to keep this ball rolling because I don't have time to just let go and let everything, you know, heal. I have to, I have to get back to normal. And I think that's, I think some women probably do do that. And so it might be good to be like, I think yeah. you just need to slow down a little bit. Well, that's, I mean, you've, we've you've basically a- gone through the motions of having a baby, but without all of the joy and happiness that comes from it. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about the emotional and the spiritual trauma involved in this but it's a physical trauma as well and that's that's true whenever you lose a pregnancy that your body is traumatized for a while Mm -hmm. it takes time to heal it it may happen in a moment but it's you know weeks before you're even approaching normal again and that's another private pain that people don't see and Mm -hmm. so they can't help you with unless you tell them yeah so that's why, you know, like, hey, I, I'm going to pick up the kids, you know, is Monday a good day? You know, I'm going to take them out all day, you know, something like that. Or I want to come over and clean the house for you, get dirty dishes or do the laundry. I remember when I was pregnant, I had a friend come over and I had a really hard pregnancy with my third. And I, it was when my husband was, he was gone. He was gone for most of my third pregnancy. And I was just tired, two kids and, and Somebody just came over and she's like, oh, you got a basket of clothes over there. I'm going to fold them. And I was like, no, no, no. She's like, no, I'm going to fold them. And I sat there and I was talking to her. And as she's folding clothes, I just dozed off. And she folded clothes. (laughs) She put them away. And then she took care of the kids. And it was just like, so having friends who are just going to like, I'm not going to wait for you to tell me what to do. I know what I need to do. Like that is, that is such a gift for going through moments like that. Yeah, I think that's a huge encouragement to all of us. Because, I mean, 
if if you're a good enough friend, you're going to know when your friends are hurting, right? Right. And to just yeah. have that encouragement and that that little kick in the pants to be like, be that friend, even if you're an introvert and yep. you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like just go and help people. Like we carry each other's burdens. We walk yeah. alongside our sisters. Yeah. That's what we're called yeah. to do. Yeah. Just go do it. They won't hate you for it. No. <laughs> Unless to unless you're gonna go over and just practice a ministry of presence like a, the husband of chaplain. Like a chaplain. <laughs> just sit there and look at you. <laughs> uh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. the teddy bear. Um and I know a, a few of my friends who have miscarried have also received those teddy bears and they're so they're beautiful. Are there other ways that you celebrate those lives or that the the friends around you celebrate lives um i've seen several ways i was really torn with with rocky and what to do because we know he died on august 31st but i gave birth on september 2nd and i and finally it was like a couple weeks ago well a couple weeks before august 31st we were driving in the car my husband and i and i said it's like what's going on with you and i'm like i I just don't know what to do. And he's like, what are you talking about? And there are times like through this grief process, like, like I said, I'm more, more visual. And, and so I think he's just, you know, he's, he's put it in a box, he's put it away and you know, it's, he's done with it. And, and I wonder, you know, does he even care? You know, like I have, like, do you even care sometimes? But then when I come to him with a problem, like sometimes he just has the advice. And I'm like, why don't I just come to you right away? Why do I sit on this stuff? Why am I such a silly wife sometimes? <laughs> and so I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I told him, like, I don't know, I don't know what to honor the, the 31st because we know he died, and that's when his soul, you know, left his body. But I, I had him on the second, like, and he's like, well, why don't we just honor all three? Our son deserves no less. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So for, for that, I fasted for three days because I, in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to cling to the things of this world. Mm. I will cling to Jesus because mm-hmm. that is my hope and my promise. And so I made it 60 hours. I didn't make it 72, but I made it 60 hours. By the third day, we were running around doing errands and all of a sudden I was like, ooh, I don't think mommy's going to make it another 12 hours. <laughs> mommy needs a little food in her tummy Mm -hmm. so but it was really good like it really it brought some clarity I think fasting is something that needs to be practiced a little bit more because I think Mm -hmm. it it really I I I don't know I can't really articulate my full experience on that but I I really had some blessings through fasting those couple days but and I had a candle and I lit a candle for him and, and we talked about Rocky and um, and we talked about the other losses as a family. But I know some people who they get like a cupcake every year and they sing happy birthday. I know some people donate diapers and things to places like pregnancy crisis centers or I know somebody who they got like onesies for all the babies that were born in the hospital on the day that said blessed with a little note of, you know, congratulations. And this is from in memory of our baby that we didn't get to take home. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there, there really is 
like when I first was going through it, I didn't, I was like, oh, there's nothing out there, but there really is a lot of resources out there of things to do for people or even, even like, I can't remember the the website right now, but they have like kits of, if your friend is going through a miscarriage, things to have to bring to the house Mm -hmm. um, as, you know, she's going through it and yeah, little care packages. And like, I'm like, I had no idea this, these resources were out there, but you don't know if you're not looking right. Right. Um, And there's, and there's a ton of stuff out there to help somebody. But I, I mean, I've gotten so many wonderful gifts of a plaque with his name, with the, his name Mm -hmm. says Rocky, but the inside are the lyrics of Rock of Ages um, Mm -hmm. that you can read and uh, the teddy bear and Christmas ornaments with his names on his name on it, and um, I've gotten a necklace with all of my children's name on it, and a keychain with all of my children's names on it. So that's it's it's very generous of people to go out of their way to think about me, but it's nice to have those things that have all of their names on it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. every day, every day, I think about all my children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day, you're their mother. Yeah, you're going to. I know we can probably keep going for a while, but we're at an hour 20. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Um, it could get any more beautiful than we've already had. So yeah, this is, this was really good. And Liz, I just, I'm so grateful that you came on today and we all got to be open and vulnerable together and you are just such a brave soul. Mm -hmm. And I, (sighs) I love that you, and I probably speaking for everyone here, but I'm so glad you took the time to sit down and tell your story with us because I think mm-hmm. it's going to resonate with a lot of listeners and they're all going to appreciate the time you took. Yes. It's it's kind of ironic because um like I mentioned before, you know, janitor extraordinaire. Um <laughs> I I was cleaning the church sanctuary and I was listening to a Luther Ladies Lounge and I don't remember which one it was. And I was laughing in the sanctuary and I was just like, it would be so stinking fun to be on a podcast with this lady. <laughs> it and, is a pretty good time usually. <laughs> right? It might have been the one about the, the hymn to Palooza with what is the spread? I think. Yes. <laughs> what is this? Bread? bread? <laughs> <laughs> And, and I was just like, oh my gosh. And and then it was just a couple of days later that I got a message from Rachel saying, hey, we would like you to be on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> amazing. I'm, I, I feel so absolutely honored, but not the fun that I, you know, like, not, but still. <laughs> we'll have to so, have you back sometime when we're cooking yeah, things. Yes. <laughs> You are always welcome on the sofa for sure. Anytime you would come back. But I I am so absolutely grateful to be able to share Rocky's story. You know, I I had no idea what would, you know, I I, I was like, Lord, I know you're going to use this for something. I just don't know what. Mm -hmm. And when this happened, you know, I had to think about it. But I was like, I feel like this is, this is, you know, his story to share and to hopefully help women who are in some darkness to shed some light and to tell them that, you know, the world wants to tell you that they are just a clump of cells, but celebrate that life, share that life when you know with somebody 
So when you are grieving and you are like, if it, if it is early, you know, you can say it is early, but if you are going through that pain that you are not going through that alone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you have that support, but to celebrate that life, because that is, that is precious. And the world wants to press on us and just tell us that it's not important when it is, and it is something Mm -hmm. you can grieve and celebrate. Yeah. It's a life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. It's your baby. And it's okay to grieve. Thank you for just reminding us all of that. So I would like to close with the last yes. verse of Children of the Heavenly Father, which was oh, also. Why? why? Again. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Okay, there's, there's actually the last two verses, right? We just recorded another podcast episode two days ago, and we sang this hymn, and Rachel was in tears. So now we're all going to be in tears. <laughs> because because it's good. Oh, it's so good. And it's really, it's a hymn I've had memorized forever. But this was also like when the pastor came and gave us communion when when he came to visit us. Like I just said, I kept on thinking of these last two verses. So neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth and their sorrows all he knoweth. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. Hence the loving purpose solely to preserve them. Pure and holy. Amen. And I'm crying. Thank you, Thanks so yeah. much. Yeah. I know I my baby's that. in heaven and I will see him and them again someday. So yes. we and I cannot wait I know. to meet Rocky right. and Remy <laughs> and baby E and it's gonna just be all the babies. An awesome all the babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. A high five mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jumping high five. <laughs> <laughs> well, my son, my son did say he's like you know, what well, we talking about children. And I said, well, I've learned something from all my children. And he's like, well, what did you learn from me? And I said, I learned to love. I was like, you, when I had you, I had no idea the capacity I had to love and you taught me to love. And he's like, well, what did you learn from Addie? And I said, oh, I learned patience. That girl, oh, man. <laughs> she has tried my patience. My girl. And he's like, well, what about Richard? And I said, oh, joy. I learned joy from Richard after I lost that first baby. I learned ultimate joy. And he's like, well, what about Rocky? And I said, I learned to look forward to heaven because Mm. that is, I said, I don't want you to be sad when I die. I said, I want you to tell people my mom's high-fiving Jesus and he's with her and she's with her other babies and he got to get teary eyed. And I said, but that's our promise, baby. That's our promise. That is our reward. This world, we don't belong to this world. We belong with Christ. So don't be sad when I die. Well, we can so, okay, maybe be a little sad. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good Lutheran thing it's to be both. both and yes. yeah. Sad and joyful at the same yeah. time. And I think anybody who has experienced any kind of a loss of a loved one will fully understand of that. Of course. I mean, this is hitting, it was my father-in-law what a week ago so not a baby um yeah but i mean what you're talking what you're saying is resonating with me even though it's a different situation blessed in the sight of the lord is is the death of his saints amen yeah so thankful for our hymnody and for our pastors (laughs) who bring communion in hospitals nurses that take online photography classes nurses that take Liz thank you so much for being our guest Uh, I know this wasn't our usual like 
crazy, happy, laughing for an hour episode, we but this is laughs. so good. This is yes. it's very cathartic. And I'm so glad we had the space to have you on and to have this discussion and, and hopefully bring some community and peace to a lot of women who have experienced what you've experienced, because I know it's it's a lot more common than we probably know. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate the the platform. Ladies, if you aren't in our Facebook group yet, be sure to join us there. Uh, I'm sure we'll have discussions about pregnancy and infant loss during the month of October. Um, if you want to share your story in the Facebook group and share in that community, please do. We would love to have some love amongst our, mm. our sisters in the Facebook group this so month. So much love. So join us there, Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. We're also on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Uh, if you want to share your story on there as well and tag us, we'll share those stories in our story. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm going to bring you donuts if you're sad or grieving, <laughs> but just know there's going to be a couple bites taken out of one of them. <laughs> and I'm Rachel. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.